0: Christ the Cornerstone. Thank you for worshiping with us today, whether you're in the
1: room or whether you're online. We welcome you. Let's stand together and give praise to God for all the great things.
2: see you and welcome online those of you who are gathering with us online we're grateful that you are here today we're singing we're talking we're hearing about the great things God is doing so let's hear this psalm I exalt you O Lord for you rescued me you refused to let my enemies triumph over me Lord my God I cried to you for help and you restored my health You brought me up from the grave, O Lord. You kept me from falling into the pit of death. So sing to the Lord, all you godly ones. Praise His holy name. For His anger lasts only for a moment, but His favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. Amen. Let's pray together. Gracious and loving God, You have gathered us here today. You've called us here, whether we're in this room or whether we're online. None of us is here by accident. And we thank you, God, that you have gathered your people together. And as we come together, we sing your praises. We think of all the great things you have done for us. Lord, we know we've felt that conviction of your Holy Spirit in our hearts. We've come face to face to you, and we have discovered how how sinful we human beings are, how many times we fail to do what You want us to do. But Your anger lasts only for a moment. But Your favor lasts a lifetime. Thank You, Jesus, for forgiving us. So we come this morning asking You to fill us with Your Holy Spirit, fill these homes with Your Holy Presence, change our hearts and our minds, our behaviors, so that they may be pleasing unto You. And everything we do. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.
3: Hey everyone, my name is Lynn. Welcome to CTC and thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. We have a lot going on at our campuses, so we wanted to take a few minutes and let you know about some of those. Spring is just around the corner, and that means Easter's coming soon. For the past several years, we have collected items to fill Easter baskets for children in local shelters and hotels. We will be receiving donations beginning March 12th and continuing through April 10th. You can drop off your donations at either campus during office hours or service times. You can find a list of items we are looking for at either campus office or by visiting our website. For more information, you can contact Ginger Carroll at 302-690-1308 or visit CTCDE.church/events. Many of you are aware that we have a preschool here at CTC. You may not be aware that we also have a kindergarten program. We are currently accepting applications for that class. In addition to that, there will be an open house on Wednesday, April 27, from 3 to 5 p.m. To learn more about our school, visit ctcde.church and click on the CTC School tab at the top of the page. God has blessed our church with numerous resources, so we turn those around in generosity to organizations outside the walls of the church. Because of your faithful giving, we are able to send monthly support to 16 different organizations all over the world. One of those is Wesley Biblical Seminary in Ridgeland, Mississippi. Dr. Matt Ayers is the president. Matt has been a longtime friend of CTC. This past fall their enrollment reached an all-time high. Thanks so much for your continued support and for trusting us to bless other ministries as God leads us. Thanks for being here today. Our prayer is that you leave feeling encouraged and closer to God. Please let us know if there's anything you need while you're here. You can find more information about all the events happening at our church by going to ctcde.church. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram to stay up to date. Have a great week.
2: Again, I welcome you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And I uh, want to remind you that if you're new here, if it's your first time here, we've got a room uh, just offside the mall. That's the entrance area that we that you walked into. And to the, as you leave, to the left is a welcome center, and it's a place where you can gather some information. We'd like to know who you are, and, and uh, we'd like to stay in touch with you, so we ask you to fill out one of the Connect cards. And even if you're a regular attender here, please take this Connect card and fill it out, and then place it into the baskets that are by the doors on the way out. Don't forget to add a prayer request. We've got, I don't know, 80 to 100 or maybe even more people who confidentially pray for you uh, during the week. And uh, those people are praying. Prayer is so essential to our spiritual lives and to hold one another up. And we'll hear some stories about answered prayers uh, later on in the service this morning. So, Uh, check out the Welcome Center. If you're online, you can check out, you can fill out the Connect card there. Please make sure that we see who you are and you also have an opportunity online to fill out uh, a prayer request as well. And on your tables are these envelopes. Well, a couple things. Inside these envelopes are obviously the Connect card, but also this Message Notes card. This is just an opportunity for you to jot down some thoughts and maybe some decisions, some actions that, you, that you're that you inspired to do during uh, our service today. God asks us to act out our faith, our work, so that when God inspires you, you know, jot down something and take that home as a, as a reminder so that you can do that thing this week. And in doing, acting on your faith, your faith will grow. So will your understanding and experience of God in that. We want to be generous, and so the offering envelopes are here. There's an opportunity for you to give online uh, if you, uh, you're able to do that and you want to, you want to uh, give generously. That's the practice that we seek to uh, implement in every day of our lives here. And we have some principles that we follow, and today we're looking at principle number two. Let's read this together, would you please? We give sacrificially and not simply from a surplus. There are times in my day when I've got extra time. And I say, okay, I've got extra time now. I'll just spend some time doing this. Maybe I'll go help my neighbor or whatever. And that's the surplus of time. Probably most of us don't have any surplus of time. And we have to make a decision to use our time sacrificially in serving others who are near us. So maybe that's something you can think about today as we we worship God. Maybe God's asking you to... To get back and start doing some volunteering things here at the church, whether it's, uh, whether it's shaking doors, uh, shaking doors, shaking doors as the hands come through. <laughs> Slow down, Roger. You'll get it. <laughs> you know what I mean. Listen to my meaning, not my words. And uh, I think my dad used to say that. Anyway, we give give sacrificially uh, instead of out of the surplus of our lives. And that's also with our talents. And it's also with the financial resources and the other resources. Some of us have great big houses that we hardly ever use spots in them. And so maybe the sacrificial giving is now and then opening up your home to a visitor, to a guest who comes, a missionary, for example, who comes to the church or somebody visiting. And that's something that you would be willing to do. These are all things that we can do to give uh, sacrificially and not just from a surplus. We want to engage others with the good news that Jesus has for us. And sometimes that takes a sacrifice to tell somebody else at work or in the Wawa or the gas station of of the good things that Jesus does for us. And so we, we need to be intentional about the sacrificial giving that we do to each other. And in doing that, God's kingdom will be blessed, will expand. People will be saved. People will see the miracles of God because of Your sacrificial giving. There's a scripture verse that goes along with this. So let's read this scripture verse. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. So we want to give sacrificially and not just out of our surplus. Um, I think I've covered everything. Let's continue to worship the Lord this morning. And I invite you, if you're in the room, to stand as we continue singing. And let's stand as I offer this prayer. And we continue. Dear Heavenly Father, we do indeed thank you for this day. This is a day that you have made. And we rejoice and we are glad in it. Come, Holy Spirit, continue to fill us. Open our ears so that we may hear. Open our eyes so that we may see what you want us to see. We want to see you, Jesus. We want to experience you in our lives. Help us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Thank you, Lord.
0: Earlier in our ministry, my wife will tell you this, how much it irritated her. That, in the back, that was back in the days when, when we all wore suits and ties. So I would have on a suit and tie like my brother out here. Somebody would come up and give me an invitation to a birthday party or something. And guess where it would go? In here. So it was Sunday morning, so there's a lot going on, and there's a lot to remember, and there's a lot to do. And guess what would happen after the birthday party or after the party was over? I would find that invitation in my pocket, and I would go, oh, guess what? We missed. We all have an invitation to the table of the Lord. We don't have to dress a certain way. We don't have to talk a certain way or act a certain way or vote a certain way or be a certain color. We just have to respond to the invitation. And if we don't respond to the invitation and it just lays there, guess who misses out? Me. Because God is still going to honor all those who respond to that invitation with his presence. So what are we going to do with that invitation today? Oh, but I'm ashamed. I I can't I can't come to. I don't have anything to wear. I the way you don't know where I've been, you don't know what I've done. Yeah, I don't need to, but
4: he does already, and
0: he still loves us. A Father that we can return to over and over and over again. And he will, without judgment and without question, welcome me back in. God, we thank you for that kind of love that you have for us. And so, Lord, the things that we carry, we lay them down today. Because of all the great things that you've done and that you are doing.
1: carried a burden for too long on my own. I wasn't created to bear it alone. I hear your invitation
0: mask, I'm done with the hiding, I'm done with all that. Run to the Father and fall into grace. Run to the Father and fall into grace. I don't know who needs to hear that today. Maybe it's just me, I don't know. Run to the Father and fall into grace. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. We've already sung today. All the great things that He's done in our lives. We have a history to look back on. Say, yeah, we've we've been here before. God, will you today remind us of all the things that you've done in our lives? And remind us that we don't have to have certain clothes or a certain language or a certain anything to run to you and fall into your grace. To just lean back against you. Somebody needs that word picture today. To just lean back against the arms of the Father. Lord, as you continue working and doing in us what you are working and doing, help us to continue to recognize the things along the way. Lord, as we begin this new series today, seeing and understanding that the things that we do corporately in this room while we are here are meant to transform us so that we can go out and live a lifestyle of worship every moment of every day of our lives. And so help us with that today, we ask. Bless our pastor as he comes this morning to bring the message, and our hearts as we receive. Move him among us. Move in our midst today, we pray. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated.
2: on your playlist? What's your favorite? What are your favorites on your playlist? My daughter's getting, well, Carolyn and I will leave tomorrow morning to, uh, and Lawanda will leave tomorrow morning to head to Georgia on Thursday. We'll celebrate my daughter's marriage. And uh, and so we'll be gone for this week and be glad for that. And Emily showed us her playlist for the wedding the other night. And uh, Carolyn is glad that she did it before the wedding because tears started coming. Uh, already, just hearing the songs that she picked for her playlist. When we gather for worship, we have a playlist, and I know that's a modern term, but uh, it's it's what we do. And and there's always been a playlist for worship. Doesn't matter what age people have have worshipped. There's always been some kind of a plan, some kind something that al- allows the people of God to express their worship of God, express their desire of God to express their need for God. What a beautiful song we just sang. I run to the Father. I fall into grace. That is, that is that is a fabulous image. My heart needs a surgeon. As we sang those words, I was picturing somebody here has a broken heart. Maybe somebody online has a broken heart. And I, and I and I pictured the grace of God piercing that heart, just maybe even the smallest little crack in that heart. And it's kind of like the Grinch who stole Christmas. His heart grew three times the size, only because of that little bit of grace. You didn't know there was a gospel in the Grinch, did you? There is. <laughs> and we gather for worship every week. Those of us who desire God, that really is what is at the core of the word worship itself. It's that desire, it's a longing to to be with someone who is far greater than we are. It's that desire that every human being born has to recognize there's, there's more to this world than just me. And I need to be connected with that more. And every religion in the world is trying to answer that question. There's more to this world than just me. What is it? And we get to know what that is. And there are all kinds of ideas about what that is. Some of them, are, some of them get there some of the way. Some of them get there none of the way. Some of them are just philosophies and ideas about things. But Jesus, God, gives us the truth of of this reality, enough of a glimpse of it that we can trust it and give ourselves to it. And when we give ourselves to it, He comes to us. Jesus comes to us and restores us and heals us. We don't see the full picture of God. There's not one of us that can comprehend the fullness of God. And all we see are bits and pieces of God. So we who gather, who desire God in our lives, to desire to know who is that that made all this? Who is that that breathed life into these two cells inside a mother's womb? Who is that? Who has the power to do that? It is God. And He reveals Himself to us sufficiently and fully through Jesus Christ so that we can experience life forever with Him. So as we, in these weeks before Easter, I'm inviting you to to look at this this activity that we do that we call worship. And, And what do we do in this? And what are we doing in this? And each week we'll discover some new facet of worship, and and I think uh, facets not a bad word for it because it's as a picture in God as this diamond, and on the on on that diamond are all kinds of facets, ladies or men, whoever. If you've got if you have a, a diamond ring or something, uh, you know that it sparkles like crazy. And as the I remember giving Carolyn her diamond ring. 32, <laughs> uh-oh, years ago. And, and how it sparkled. And you know, the bride wants to show everybody and get the light right. And these lights that we have on the stage this morning, the beautiful light for showing off a diamond. <laughs> because the diamond takes this white light that we see and fractures it into multiple colors. And so as we think about worship we think about coming into the presence of God, each one of us is coming to God with a different perspective. We're going to see a different facet. And we can talk about all these great things, but none of them completely describe or explain the greatness of God. God is so much greater than our human understanding and our human experience. We've got to leave room for God to do things that we cannot understand. Let me ask you some questions. What experience have you had that has just left you speechless? If you want to write that down on that little message card, maybe a couple notes. What experience have you had that has absolutely left you speechless? I don't know what to say about that. Might be a big experience. It might be a little experience. What experience have you had that just makes you go, huh? How can that be? What experience have you had that you have no, or no one has any clear explanation about it? We have ideas. We have theories. Remember, the word theory describes an idea that can neither be proven nor disproven. That's what a theory is. It means that that a theory requires some kind of faith. Because it can't be proven this way, nor can it be proven that way. And the evidence leads us so far this way, or the evidence leads us so far this way, but to go beyond that, we have to trust the evidence that's given to us. It doesn't matter what we're talking about in this world. A theory can't be proven this way, nor this way, that's why we call it a theory. And there are many things in this world that we, that we think are facts, but they're really just theories. And there are people who base their lives on theories as fact, but it's just a theory. And they still have to trust in something about that. What, what, what experience have you had that you have no clear, sound explanation? And what experience have you had that gives you both a bit of fear and trembling? Wow, how did that happen? As well as, oh, that's amazing. I want to learn more about that. I want that to happen in my life. These are are things that that occur to us during worship. And we worship the One who who gives us these kinds of experiences. So, our experiences of God ought to give us both fear and awe. And cause us to say, Whoa, God. But also, oh, God? I'm still alive. <laughs> and I am in your presence clearly. We felt it this morning already. As we're singing these songs, ideas come into our heads. Like, Whoa, God. These are questions surrounding our experience of worship. The song we sang at the very beginning of the service, some of you don't realize that worship begins at the hour. (laughs) And from from the first song, we've begun worship. Some of you don't like to come until after the music is over. And you're missing a significant part of worship. Worship is not just the word. On the other hand, worship is not just the song. We don't stop worshipping when I stand up here and begin proclaiming the word of God. From every age, the word of God has proclaimed, been proclaimed as a, a, a part of worship. Just as music has always been a part of worship. And you better believe that music has changed over the centuries and over the millennia. They didn't have this kind of equipment 2,000 years ago. They didn't have this kind of equipment. I have a piece of equipment that they did use six, 8,000 years ago. It's called a shofar. And if I brought it in here and played it every time, if that was the only instrument that we used, you'd go find another church. <laughs> we sang this song at the beginning of our worship. We sang, it was called Great Things by Phil Wickham and Jonas Myron. And, and the song said, "We come let us worship our king, come let us bow at his feet. And, and that, that word bow down comes from the, the Hebrew word to worship something. To, to worship something means to submit ourselves to it. We surrender ourselves to it. We put ourselves into a vulnerable position. You see, you see rulers greeting one another. We've, we've watched the sports games. We've watched the Olympics. We've seen which nation doesn't bow their flag to the other nation. And when we come to worship, we're bowing our flag before God. That's the invitation. We're saying, God, you are greater than I am. And I honor you. I respect you. I listen to you. Come, let us bow at his feet. He has done great things. Why do we bow at his feet? Because he has done great things. See what great things? Then the song tells us. See how his love overcomes. We call him, we call him in that song, Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive. You break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom. Awake and alive, O Jesus our Savior, your name lifted high. O God, you have done great things. You've been faithful through every storm, and you'll be faithful forevermore. You sang this song, or you saw the words. (laughs) You have done great things. And I know you'll do it again. For your promise is yes and amen. You'll do great things, God. You do great things. I want to take us to some scriptures that talk about worship. Oh Lord, uh, Psalm 40, verse 5. says, Oh Lord my God, you have performed many wonders for us. Your plans for us are too numerous to list. Anybody got a task list? Does your boss give you a task list to do? You got your own task list? Do your children cause you to have a task list? (laughs) The things that God has for us, the plans that God has for us, are too numerous to to list. So just sit back. (laughs) Fall into his grace and ask the Lord every day, Lord, What's on my list that you have for me today? Oh God, you have no equal. If I tried to recite all your wonderful deeds, I could never come to the end of them. You're too wonderful, God. Psalm 77, verses 10 through 12. And these are just these are just, just a couple verses out of the Bible. Not, these, are, these may not be the best, these may not, certainly they're not all of them. But Psalm 77, verses 10 through 12, the writer said, And I said, This is my fate. The Most High has turned His hand against me. But then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They're constantly in my thoughts and I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. This is that experience of both fear, awe and honor and respect and desire to have that presence of God in our lives. Even though when we come into the presence of God, what do we realize? We realize how human we are and the frailty of our humanness because he is so great. But, then I recall all you have done. The Most High has turned His hand against me. And that's, that's a convicting moment. That's when we realize, in the presence of God, I realize, ooh, I'm not who I'm supposed to be. I haven't done, God, what I was supposed to do. I have missed the mark of humanity. I have missed the mark of love. I have missed the mark of generosity. I'm sorry, God. That's that that conviction when we realize we're going to be corrected. Do you like to be corrected? (laughs) You know, uh, it's hard growing up. And we think that when we become adults, we will, we, we'll have everything all together and we don't get corrected anymore. But the truth is, the correction that we adults get is far harsher than the correction that young people get. Because in this world, it appears there is no mercy. But that's why we need Jesus. <laughs> because he is merciful. He helps us take the correction that we need in our lives. Some people who have needed correction have only received the correction after, after a tremendous illness. Some people have only received the correction of God after their marriage has already fallen apart. They could have received the correction of God before that point, but they resisted. Young people, take the correction. Learn how to take correction from those who are helping you. Become who God wants you to be. I know that's hard. I know that's tough. But, but, but if you continually resist correction from others, you will form a habit of resisting correction <laughs> from God. So that when you're older, yeah, you can do things your own way, but you'll find your life in shambles. Not following the way of God. This is my fate. The Most High has turned His hand against me. But then I recall all you have done, O Lord. Remember what the Lord has done. And if you can't remember what the Lord has done, go to the Scripture. Because this will remind you, this will tell you, this will reveal to you if you've never, if you've never heard it, if you've never seen it, if you've never read it. Here is where God reveals His correction to us. It's also where God reveals his grace to us. It's also where he reveals his mercy to us. We can go to the New Testament in the book of Acts, chapter 3, verses 12 through 15 we see that we see that after after Jesus was raised from the dead he was here for 40 days and after 40 days he ascended into heaven and 10 days after Jesus ascended into heaven God sent his holy spirit upon his fearful disciples who had gathered themselves in the, in, in an upper room cowering and hiding where do we go what do we do now they're going to kill us If we go outside these walls. But God filled them with His Holy Presence, with His Holy Spirit, and they were moved to go out. They were compelled. They desired to go out. Once they were fearful of going out, but now filled with the Holy Spirit, they could do nothing except go tell somebody. (laughs) And it brought great disruption to the city. And how long after that, Peter's out and he and he sees a lame man, and in verse chapter 3, verses 12, we read that he's Peter healed a lame man. And the crowd was as confused. Why? He, he's healed. We, we, we've had stories of healing this past week. There was not confusion. <laughs> there was rejoicing. Maybe the doctors are confused. But we' who trust in God, say, thank you. We don't have to understand it for it to happen. Thank you, Jesus. So Peter, when the crowd was confused, Peter saw his opportunity to tell them. And taking that opportunity, he said to them, People of Israel, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we made this man walk by our own power or godliness? It's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. It's the God of your ancestors. It's your God who has done this. Who has brought glory to His servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus who you handed over Who you rejected. You turned him over to Pilate. Pilate didn't want to kill him. Pilate wanted to let him go. But you chose. You rejected his holy, righteous one. And instead, you demanded the release of a murderer. And kill this innocent man instead. That's the hand of God turning against His people. But, remember His mighty deeds. In verse 15, He says, You killed the author of life. But, again, that simple three-letter word that changes every circumstance. But, God raised Him from the dead. And we are witnesses of This, what's that word? Theory? What's that word? You can see it on the screen. I can't hear you saying it. What's that word? I, 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 I outed Carolyn last night at this point in the message. One of the television shows that causes both of us to laugh and I, and I hope this doesn't offend anyone. Big Bang Theory. Oh, what's the title of that? Big Bang Fact? Oops. Big Bang Theory. Sheldon, in that show, is, is a scientist who believes... That's a word. A scientist who believes... No, no, no. Let me say it a little. A scientist... Who says, it's a fact, there is no God. No, we don't say it that way. A scientist who believes there is no God. A scientist who who says, and his mother in the show is a devout, conservative Christian. And they get in these arguments every now and then the argument usually ends with Sheldon's mother when Sheldon says, no, there is no God, no, this is going to happen, no, this. And his mother simply says, that is your opinion. Because that's all we have. We only have opinions about it. But the Bible is bold enough, brave enough to call this a fact. We are witnesses of this fact. And through the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. so, So from our perspective, here's a fact. This man is lame. From our perspective, here's a fact. This man is well. From our perspective, Jesus was alive. From our perspective, we saw the blood flow out of Jesus. We saw Jesus' body go limp. We saw Jesus' chest stop breathing. Those are facts in our perspective. And from our perspective, Peter is saying, I saw Jesus walking again. I was in the tomb where he was. I saw the cloths that had been wrapped around him with all the hundreds of pounds of spices that that were wrapped inside that shroud to prevent us from smelling his decaying body. I saw them removed. There was an angel there. The angel said, Who you are looking for is not here. He is alive. And the others trust that witness. And and all we have are these witnesses, the evidence that leads us to this point, but then from this point to that point, regardless of what side of theory it's on, we have to make a decision whether to trust this evidence or to trust this evidence. And that's a decision we've got to make. We're witnesses of this fact, that through the name of Jesus, this man was healed. That's the fact, that through the name of Jesus, healing comes to us. And you saw how crippled he was before faith in Jesus' name has healed him. Our task as followers of Christ is simply to proclaim what we have witnessed. You say, well, that was thousands of years ago. Uh Uh-huh. Why does that make a difference? Well, because people tell stories they tend to change. They said to me after the message last night, nobody has died, nobody has ever died for a lie. But they will die for what they believe to be truth. And many people have done that. Here are the disciples. They're proclaiming what they saw with their eyes. Probably 20 years ago, Carolyn was in a car accident. We had a beautiful, we had a, we had a Buick Century. My, my, my brother laughed at me when I got it, Because my grandmother always had a Buick Century. And I got a Buick, very reliable car. And it's the first car that my children remember. It was green, it had tan cloth seats. It carried it carried my family all around the United States on many trips to Michigan, to Georgia, to to Kentucky to to see friends and family and go places and to the beach here many times in Delaware. We'd pack everything in it we could. Carolyn was in an accident in that car when she was going up a hill. The the road she was on came to an intersection. She had no stop sign. There was no traffic light. It was up in the hills and in a uh, kind of rural part of New York the crossing road was to stop and because it was on a hill it, uh, both both approaches to that intersection cars were coming up the hill so carolyn did not have to stop she's probably doing 30 35 maybe 40 miles an hour the, a pickup truck heading into Pennsylvania was coming up the hill perpendicular to carolyn he was supposed to stop i don't know why But he didn't see this, he didn't see his stop sign. Well, maybe he did. But he didn't stop. I don't know what the facts are. I do know that he didn't stop. (laughs) I do know that the front end of his truck hit the front end of the car that Carolyn was in. Bam! That spun both vehicles so that, so, so that the, the tail end or somehow, anyway, our Buick was destroyed on the front end and it was destroyed on the back end. Somehow hit at both sides. Carolyn was protected in the middle. But, you know, the bag goes off and the glass shatters and all these things. And and, and Carolyn's car ends up in the ditch of this bank. Kind of down and then gone up the bank a little bit. And steam's coming out and all this stuff. And Carolyn smells the smoke and thinks, the car's on fire. So she pops out as quickly as she can. Fortunately, she could get out. There was another person who, who, who witnessed... Again, this witness idea. She witnessed the accident. She saw how, how quickly Carolyn jumped out of the vehicle. And the woman in that other vehicle had children in her car. And when she saw Carolyn jump out with the speed and the force that Carolyn jumped out, that mother assumed that this mother in the accident had children in the back seat. And she came to help. Fortunately, our children were not with Carolyn that day. And Carolyn walked away from the accident. Now, uh, 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 and, and I lost a suit in that. <laughs> Thanks for laughing at my stupidity. I'm so grateful that Carolyn is alive. You know, any of you have been in an accident like that, you suffer from that. It makes you nervous about getting in a car again. And, and, and I blame that accident. For, for, for Carolyn being on her phone now whenever we travel. And, and every time she looks up, she goes, oh! <laughs> has nothing to do with my fast, abrupt driving. It's all the cause of that accident. Okay. Uh. Do you believe that story I gave you? Do you believe that I lost a suit in it? Can you believe that I was complaining that I lost a suit in that? Why do you say yes so quickly <laughs> It's a witness why would I why would I embellish tell I mean preachers are known for embellishing stories that's how we get the point across So now you're wondering did that really happen and how are you going to test that witness that I've given to you you're going to go to another witness and when it matches mine you're going to say huh How many witnesses does it take for you to believe that Jesus saves lives? How many witnesses is it going to take for you to trust that God will bring healing to you? How many witnesses do you have to hear before you say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins, I will follow you. Haven't you heard enough? Trust in Him. You'll have life forever. He will provide for you. He'll do all these things that we sang about. I'm going to ask April to come up. Let me get the microphone. We were talking this week on staff about this this witnessing idea, and, and we were talking about it, and, and April told us an experience that she's had, and I said, would you be willing to tell that? Be careful what you say to Pastor Roger, because he'll put you... Absolutely. <laughs>
5: So um, I was explaining to him that a few years back, I started having pain. And I went back and forth to my doctor, as you would if something doesn't go away. And you know how doctors do. Are you doing this? Are you doing that? Take this. Don't do that. Um, But the pain was getting increasingly worse to a point where it was really starting to affect my home life and my work life because I was just so uncomfortable and in so much pain. So anyway, back and forth to the doctor's office, then to the emergency rooms, they finally found the problem. And to my surprise, they apologized and said, oh, wow, you're right. There's something here. (laughs) So anyway, long story short, they were scheduling a surgery. And as you know, if it's not life-threatening, they're not going to do the surgery that day. They schedule it months away. So in the meantime, I'm on this pain medication. I'm still really uncomfortable. It's really not doing the trick. And so, of course, I'm calling all my family members and my prayer partners and everyone and people I don't know are praying, you know, about this surgery that I have to have. And they tell me I have to lose some bodily parts. And I'm not really happy with that because I feel like, at my age, I want all the parts I came here with. You know, I don't want to lose anything. So anyway, before the surgery, I had this indescribable, tremendous pain. It was like something burst. And it didn't last long, but it was enough where I let out a, a holler, you know, loud scream. And anyway, afterwards, I had no more pain. So I took that to mean that You know, God healed me. But anyway, I went on with the surgery shortly afterwards, um, and when I woke up from the surgery, they said, "Um, we did not have to remove your organs. And what they found was just laying there, and it just moved off, you know, lifted off of my organs. And what they said really confused me But it didn't confuse me afterwards. They said, oh, your other surgeries left some scar tissue. I never had any surgeries before. This was my first surgery. And they said, you never had surgery before? You have all this scar tissue. Well, for me, that was proof that God did that. God healed me, you know, through prayers and, you know, his mercy, his grace. You know, and for me, I could not be convinced of anything else, but that was the miracle God chose to perform on me, as he does all the time for us, you know. But, you know, that's why you're so unshakable in those moments, you know. And to walk away knowing that everything was fine and even the lab results came back great and, you know, God is good, you know. And, again, you couldn't convince me that he doesn't exist, Because, you know, we had pictures, you know, and things they're showing me. And here they go in. And he left just enough detail, you know, just to let them know he did it.
2: Thank you, April. In the name of Jesus. Brings healing to us. In the name of Jesus, He changes our hearts. In the name of Jesus, He breaks the bonds that shackle us to the evil things of this world. In the name of Jesus. I got a story. uh, You know, we're all watching what's happening in Ukraine. Three years ago, we had a a pastor come and speak. His name was Sergei Chervenenko, and he's the president of. Uh, Moscow Evangelical Seminary. He's training Christians in Moscow, in Russia, to proclaim the good news. That's his job. That's his passion. That's his ministry. We had him here and we supported them. And we support him with our prayers. So, when, when Russia invaded Ukraine, I decided, I wonder what Sergey is thinking about this. And how can we as a church help Sergey? So, I sent an email to Sergey asking him, Sergey, I, I, I wonder if you had a perspective about Mr. Putin's actions in Ukraine. <laughs> I sent it off, and then I thought, Roger, that's never going to make it through the filters. <laughs> You're going to get in trouble. FBI or somebody's going to call you and say, Who are you communicating with the Russians? And I'll never get an answer back. A few days ago, I got an answer back from Sergey. He says, Dear Pastor Roger, thank you for the letter and the prayers. The Moscow Seminary is staying on course with our main purpose that is, to extend the kingdom of God through educating church leaders. Good word. The seminary has always been apart from politics because kingdoms and governments rise and fall, but God reigns. Then he says, in my humble opinion, the people of your church could pray for the ending of military operations. Pray for the safety for all people, military and civilian on both sides, Ukrainian and Russian. Pray for peace among Christians, not to act with anger towards brothers and sisters because of their political views. What a powerful prayer. Lord, help us in our nation and in our church, not be angry at our brothers and sisters because we disagree about the politics of our nation. Lord, help us be united. And pray for the seminary to continue to educate more skilled church workers who concentrate on the kingdom of God. Pray for churches in Ukraine and Russia to be ready to help the people around them to be peacemakers. Yes, Jesus, do this. For citizens of Russia all around the world who are now persecuted because of this situation. Most people in the world don't think or ask a Russian, what do you think about Mr. Putin's actions? That was an eye-opener for me. Because we take for granted in our country that, that we have an opinion and that my opinion matters. But Sergei is telling us, why are you asking me what do I think? My opinion doesn't matter. Wow. But he says, most people in the world think you're a Russian, you're guilty. And he says, this approach brings more anger and it destroys peace. Let God bless the church of Christ, the cornerstone, in your faithfulness and in your prayers. Amen. In the name of Jesus, God is doing great things. Are you part of it? Are His great things part of your life? They can be with your trust in Him. Psalm 30 says, I exalt you, Lord, because you rescued me. You refused to let my enemies triumph over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to You for help, and You restored my help. You brought me up from the grave, O Lord. You keep me from falling into the pit of death. Sing to the Lord, all you godly ones. Praise His holy name, because His anger lasts only for a moment, but His favor lasts a lifetime. Thank you, Jesus. Weeping and na- weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. When I was prosperous, I said, nothing can stop me now. And your favor, O God, made me as secure as a mountain. And then you turned away from me and I was shattered. And I cried out to you, O Lord, I begged you for mercy, saying, what will I gain if I die, if I sink into the grave? Can my dust praise you? Can it tell of your faithfulness? Hear me, Lord. Have mercy on me. Help me, Lord. You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You've taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy so that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord my God, I will give you thanks forever. Here's the invitation. And here's what we do when we take this sacrament of communion. We, we proclaim once again, every time we break this bread, every time we drink this wine, we proclaim the greatness of God through Jesus Christ. That's what this sacrament is about. So as we take this bread and this juice, let's, let's, I invite you. Hear me, Lord. Have mercy on me. Help me, O Lord. Turn my morning into dancing. I invite you to take this cup, take this juice if you're at home, get some bread and get some juice. Something that we can pray over. And it reminds you of what Jesus has done. Before we do that, I want us to stay together the Apostles' Creed and then we'll pray the Lord's Prayer together. I invite you to stand with me as we proclaim these mighty acts that God has done and what we believe. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead on the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. and He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Every time we take communion, it's an opportunity to, for us to confess So as we we think about what we might need to say to the Lord, a recognition of our own sinfulness, let's pray together the prayer as our Lord Jesus taught us to pray it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and be present with us that as we receive these gifts of bread and juice, that they may be for us. Your presence become reality Right here, right now, today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We remember that night when Jesus was betrayed. And you may take the cup. If you want gluten-free? Debbie, I'm going to ask if you just walk around. And If you want gluten-free uh, communion, Debbie here will have it for you. And don't sit too close. Pastor Roger will put you to work there too. <laughs> We remember that night when Jesus was betrayed, that night he took the bread, he broke the bread, and he gave thanks to God. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, drink from this, all of you, this is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you eat it, and remember me, let's take and eat and be thankful. When the supper was over, Jesus took the cup, gave thanks to God. He gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. When you drink this, remember me. Let's take a drink and be thankful. Lord, from our perspective, this is just bread, kind of, <laughs> and juice, kind of wine. And it reminds us that you gave yourself for us. but Lord, there's something unique in this process that we're doing that we do not understand. But it's what we trust. We trust that in this action that you've told us to do, you are coming into our lives. And we may not fully understand that. We may not fully, we're still not pure and holy as as you want us to be, but you're making us that way. And by our willingness, we're willing to let you. Thank you, Jesus. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's continue to sing and pray. I invite you if you want to come and, and kneel here at the platform to do so in prayer or meet someone at the prayer one of the prayer stations. If you're online, please have someone pray with you if you need that today. Let's continue to worship.
0: for being here with us today moving among us
1: you are here I will.
0: the great things that you're doing in our lives that is who you are Lord we take those things out of this building today to live a lifestyle of worship every moment of every day of our lives we're going to continue to spend some time in worship up here, the front is still open for prayer, folks are still at the prayer station, whenever you need to go you can go, God bless you he's making ways in the wilderness, streams in the desert
1: Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Oh, and you are Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Sing that chorus again, Waymaker. Waymaker.